Hi, I'm Coach Corey Wayne, and this is my video coaching newsletter. The topic of today's newsletter is going to be faking it until you make it, overcoming imposter syndrome. So I've got an email. This is from a guy. He's 33 years old, and he says that he suffers from imposter syndrome. So he says he was raised by a single mom who basically turned him into a super nice boy so he didn't hurt any girls the problem was is that she just made him too soft to the point where women walked all over him and didn't treat him with respect however he's come across my book and my work and he's done well for himself he's got a great supportive girlfriend and he used to be in the mortgage business and obviously if you guys have been paying attention the last two years or so the Fed has been dramatically raising the interest rates and so as I wrote about one of the things I would suggest to this guy is that you read Mastering Yourself as well because I used to be in, in the business and I had one of the largest real estate and mortgage companies in the whole state of Florida and so I'm very familiar with the industry and one of the things I didn't really understand back then that I really do now because I spent a lot of time studying it I did a documentary on it is the economic boom and bust cycle and it typically is about a 12 to 15 year cycle and it just it happens so <clears throat> when the interest rates are low the economy expands because the money supply expands because the banks are creating new money by lending it into existence and if you've ever watched the documentary that we did called economic prosperity for all it's about i don't know half hour 45 minutes it goes into the purpose of money and really explaining it, but we're in a cycle now where they've been raising the interest rates, and so the last time they raised interest rates this dramatically, this quickly, was 2004, 2005, and you know the same exact thing happened then where the, the real estate industry got super overheated because there was so much cheap money chasing a finite supply of houses and so it's supply simple supply and demand economics you got more people with money than there are houses to buy and then so they end up bidding up the houses and then the fed raises the interest rates and then when the interest rates you know more than double in a few short years your payment and the amount the, the your payment goes through the roof and your actual amount that you can borrow because the interest rates are so much higher are much less and so this reduces the borrowing power of people and so a guy that could afford a five hundred thousand dollar house two years ago is only going to be able to at current rates is only going to be able to afford two hundred fifty three hundred thousand dollar house with the same amount of payment that he would have had at you know like a three percent interest rate versus now they're you know close to eight percent and in some cases and so that dramatically increases the payment because people basically have a they have a fixed amount of income and a fixed amount of money on a monthly basis they can put towards a mortgage payment when the interest rates are real low they can afford a much bigger mortgage because the payment's low but if the interest rates are high they can only afford they can afford a less of a house just because of the fact that the payment is so high and so how you can, how we all benefit from this and how I benefited it tremendously back when I was in real estate, and I'm really excited about two, three years from now because there should be a lot of foreclosures and a lot of opportunities in real estate, is that when, so what the Fed is doing now because we had all this inflation because they like 
doubled the money supply in a couple of years. I never imagined it would print that much money. You know, so it, you know if you've ever studied modern monetary theory, it's like they really like threw some gasoline in that fire, and with the lockdowns and everything, they printed more money and like literally doubled the money supply within a couple of years. And so you saw these, and plus the lockdowns, the supply chain issues, it caused you know it caused all these these problems that everything went up in cost and so the way the fed brings inflation down is to cause the price to borrow money to go up and so just simple example how this affects you know say imagine you have a restaurant and you've been doing well and you're thinking hey i want to put all new equipment in i'm going to expand my kitchen a little bit you know i want to spend like a hundred grand and you know redoing the kitchen so because there's other things that i can do other meals and and thing recipes i can make with this new equipment it's going to cost 100 grand and the guy knows what his cash flow is on a monthly basis for his restaurant and he looks at what his payment would be when the interest rate is three percent and then all of a sudden a few years later now the interest rate on that is almost eight percent and he looks at what the monthly payment is going to be to borrow the money that he needs to buy the equipment that he wants it becomes cost prohibitive. And so instead of him dropping 100 grand for new kitchen equipment, he just decides to, to wait until more favorable market conditions come along. And so that $100,000 he would have bought in kitchen equipment, well, that company that would have gotten the order, the salesperson ain't going to get a commission on it. The people that make the kitchen equipment aren't going to be making the equipment because there's no demand for it. And so they're not getting paid either. And so the, the guy's not going to be able to sell the other things he wants to do and expand his business the way he wants because borrowing costs are just too expensive. In other words, it doesn't make financial sense to take out a $100,000 loan at an 8% interest rate when it would, the numbers would have worked at like a 3% interest rate. So it reduces the demand and that just you know, ripples all throughout the whole economy. And so what you see now, because I follow these stats very closely, is bankruptcies are going through the roof. They're dramatically up over, I think, October, was it October, I think I saw? It was like bankruptcies were up 36% over what they were in the previous October, or maybe it was September, I, I can't remember. But the other thing is that people's credit card debt is going through the roof, because what's happening is they're taking cash advances, and they're using their credit cards to finance their expenses. And the other thing that's happening is the amount of savings that people have is dropping dramatically. And the reason that's happening is because people are taking the savings that they had and spending it to pay their bills. So they're maxing out their credit cards and their line of credit just to, to maintain their normal bills, which puts them further into debt and gives them bigger, bigger monthly payments because they're just hoping to bide some time until things turn around even though it, this is a multi-year process. I mean, the whole cycle, the boom cycle that we're, we've just come out of, and then now we're entering the bust cycle, I mean, that's a 12 to 15-year cycle. And so when we look at the interest rate increases that started happening in like 2005 and 2006, Lehman Brothers happened in 2008, and the best deals were available in real estate when nobody wanted to buy about 2009, 2010. And that's really when you want to buy real estate. So we're about to be, come January, another month or so, two years into the interest rate increases. 
And so Lehman Brothers happened about three years after the interest rate increases. And so what I'm seeing in, in the real estate down in South Florida, especially like the high-end rental market, you know, those properties, because everybody was working from home, they were triple and quadruple what they were in 2019 and 2020 before all the lockdowns happened. And so those things are all starting to come back down to earth because you don't have all those people com- competing for a limited supply of rental homes. And you know, I'm just watching these sellers drop their prices significantly and how much they want as, in a monthly rent. I'm seeing things that were Airbnbs that, you know, what happens, they can't get enough Airbnb business and then they put it for a long-term rental and then they can't get the rates that they're thinking and then they put the house on the market to just get rid of it because they're concerned about being able to, to cover their mortgage. And so whereas like a year, year and a half ago, you say like a, a take it, let's take a $4 million house in the water because there's obviously a lot of them in South Florida, a lot of canals, intercoastal. So you take a house that was $4 million a year, year and a half ago in the height of the boom, and you might get 10 or 12 people putting an offer on that thing as soon as it goes in the market, and it sells like that, usually over asking price. Whereas now, a year, year and a half later, there's, they're getting price reductions because they might sit in the market three to four weeks, but the houses still sell. Instead of ha- having 10 people competing, there might just be one person. And so you're starting to see prices kind of kind of top out. It is definitely, you know, the the three to five million dollar market in South Florida is still pretty good. It's not as good as it was a year and a half ago, but like things a little lower, especially where the median price range and you like a half million dollar houses, six hundred thousand dollar houses, something like that. Like talking to Andy in Orlando, he says you can get a deal on those because those things are not really moving at all. The higher end stuff tends to be moving because people with money tend to always have money. And plus there's a lot of people moving from blue states still to red states, but that is slowing down. And so, you know, when you look at what's going on in the economy and the other thing is like car repossessions, car repossessions are way up. People are getting behind in their car notes. We're starting to see dealers offering incentives again. Uh, Used car prices are starting to come down. So it's like it, everything's slowly starting to come down. And, and what these, you know, if you ever read any of the interviews with the people that are in the Federal Reserve Board, it's like they're just guessing, man. They're just kind of throwing darts in the blizzard. And because when you lower or you raise the interest rates, it takes years to really see what the effects of that are going to be. And so when they jacked the rates up real, real quickly in 2005, 2006, it took about two years before. Three, two to three years before the brakes really got put on the real estate market. And then about another two years after that, before like nobody wanted to buy real estate because the values were going down. And so more than likely, the real estate prices are going to probably come down about 30% just because the velocity of money is just not there anymore. And the other interesting thing is, is that a lot of people are pulling their money out of the stock market. Now, well, why would that be? Well, because they're cashing out their retirement accounts or they're cashing out their stocks because they got to pay their bills. And so that's going to drive the stock market down. So everything, as the money supply contracts, the economy contracts. That's why they do that. They're, they're withdrawing the money supply from the economy back into the banking system so they reduce demand. And everything's supply and demand. When you have a higher demand for products than the supply of them, then what's going to happen is 
the cost of those products is going to go up. When there's a, a huge oversupply of properties and there's a low demand, they have to lower prices back down to what people want to pay for them. I remember in, in real estate, like we would have these builders that would say, hey, we got a thousand lots coming online and please come out to our open house, come see our models, bring your clients. They were really nice. They would come to our office. They bring us gifts and food and stuff. And then in the height of the boom, these they turned into arrogant assholes and they're like, oh yeah, we just got a raffle. Or, hey, we're not participating with realtors. And it's like their attitude totally changed to be like, yeah, fuck you realtors. We got All we have to do is put an ad on the street and then all these lots are, are gone in a matter of hours. And then when the market changed, they're like begging us to come bring clients to their communities again. And that's the huge swing you see in things. And so this particular guy that wrote this email, he was in the mortgage business. And obviously, if you're, especially if you're doing refinances and just originating loans, I've got friends that are appraisers. It's the market has completely changed, and it's going to continue to decrease. I mean, like I said, you know, you're to to get to the time because the other thing you gotta consider is people max out their credit cards, they cash in their retirement accounts. They, they spend all their savings trying to keep what they have. And then once they're tapped out, they got no money left. The last thing that they make payments on or stop making payments on is typically their house because they don't want to be homeless. And if somebody files bankruptcy, then because normally a bank doesn't start foreclosure proceedings until you're about six months behind. And if you file bankruptcy, you can tie that house up for six months to two years, depending on how long your bankruptcy takes to work it through the system. And so that's why when we look at the delinquencies, when we look at people getting behind their mortgage payments, they're getting behind their credit cards, they're getting behind their car payments, car repossessions are are going way up. You're seeing all these things indicative of the demand dropping for everything, for all goods and services in the economy. And so it's a slow process and it's like dominoes. It's like you just, you know, when the things start to go bad in the economy, you know, they'll lower the rates again, which they always do historically. But it's years before you see things start to turn around. Usually it takes about a decade before things really start to come back. And when you figure the worst time to sell and the best time to buy was like 2009, 2010, early 2011, when nobody wanted to where things got super overheated, which was 2022. You're like 10, 11 years before the best time to buy to the best time to sell. The idea is to buy low to sell high. And so the reason why I went in this long diatribe is because you know there's going to be a huge opportunity to make a lot of money in about two to three years on real estate foreclosures because ain't nobody going to be buying and so this guy comes from the industry and he probably you know he's 33 he hasn't been in it long enough he's not old enough and you know he was basically a teenager the last time we were in the cycle that we're in right now and so he's got a lot of experience in the industry if you understand the boom bust cycle I mean, again the idea is to buy low and to sell high and right now, I would not be buying any any real estate. I would just be stacking cash and waiting for about another two to three years when the foreclosures go through the roof, which, I mean, you're already seeing that. But um, the best deals are, are still several years away because, you know, people, they say now, you know, the, the stats that are there now are that 
it, the the curve just changed to where the overall saving rate of everybody is now below what it was at the height of you know the lockdowns and everything. And so people are going through their savings and their stocks and their credit lines and lines of credit pretty quickly. And then once they're maxed out and they got no money left, that's when they really stop making their payments and things just, and then you get banks failing and there's lots of, lots of opportunities. So this particular guy, the industry that he was in, I mean, I saw the same thing happen to all my friends that, that were in it. It's, you know, everybody's living high in the hog, making tons of money and it feels like it's going to last forever, but it never does. And that's why it's important to plan for it. It's just like people that work in the food service industry, especially like if you live in like South Florida, where like you just Delray Beach, 75%, you see a 75% increase in the, in the population when all snowbirds come down. And so you make a lot of money during the holidays or the season, which tends to be after Thanksgiving through um, Easter. Those are the, like the best times of the year. And in the middle of the summer when there's like 75% less people, and there's hardly anybody coming in. It's like you need to save your money. You don't want to spend all your money that you make when things are in the boom. So you have to think about these things as a person. So this guy is struggling because he was doing really well when he met his girlfriend. And obviously now he's gone through some tough times. He got a DUI. He's got a good paying job. He says he's like one of the top producers, but he doesn't like it. And he feels like he's an imposter at this point he says he feels like he's got you know he's suffering from imposter syndrome because you know he went from having all the success same thing i experienced in my late 20s through my mid 30s i was in the middle of this boom cycle and it just felt like it's going to go on forever and you start to think hey i'm a genius look at me look at all the money we're making it's it's pretty easy when the, everything's going up in value but what happens how do you make money when it starts to go down and so in this case he's He's lost his job that he had in the mortgage industry because the demand is totally gone. I mean, I, I think the stats I've seen for real estate, mortgage, and construction is about 19% of the economy. And so that's that's like one-fifth of the economy just got the brakes totally put, put on it. And so those ripple effects takes years to really see what the net effect of that is going to be. And so his girlfriend's offering to help him, but internally he doesn't feel the same way that he used to and he's like how do i get past this so he says corey the biggest regret i have with your work is not finding it sooner well i wish i would have learned this stuff when i was a teenager but you know it is what it is this is why i do what i do so the next generations don't have to go through all the shit that i went through i'm 33 and for years i wasted my time with gurus that i thought could teach me the easy way to get a woman to fall in love with me with magic words but as you tell us time and time again there's no shortcuts to success. I stumbled upon your work after a breakup that sucked and being arrested for a DUI. I accept full ownership of my actions and have taken steps to ensure it never happens again. Well, you know, that's life, man. Good for you for getting past it. He says, I completely turned my life around in a few short months after reading, listening, and applying the principles of the Bible and your work to my life. Cool story. While I was casually dating my current girlfriend, she told me she knew of your work and thought I was applying your principles to our interactions. I teased her about it and stayed firm. And shortly after, she asked me to be her boyfriend. So she gave him some friction about, oh, I know what you're doing. But at the end of the day, it works. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. That's the beauty of truth. It's self-evident. The reason I'm writing you is that I'm currently dealing with imposter syndrome. I was raised by a single mother who tried to condition me into a nice boy and was always soft growing up. I can relate, dude. My mom mostly raised my brother and I. My dad was just working and, you know, too checked out to really pay attention. He says, I've taken the correct action to change my behavior, but I still feel like the real me is in the back of my head telling myself that I am a fraud. In a little over a year, I was impacted by the mortgage rates being increased and lost my management positions at two different lenders. Like, yeah, they're, they're getting decimated. Same thing is happening all over again in the industry. And when I was younger, I didn't know. I hadn't gone through a bus cycle on my own. I watched my parents go through it, like when the stock market crashed in 87 and it crashed like 500 points in a day. And, you know, my, my parent, my mom actually was managing their money from the business that they had sold. They bought a bunch of stocks on margin. When it crashed like that, the margin got called and poof, they got wiped out. My dad had to go back to work. But at the time, I, I was a kid. I didn't really understand what was going on. And when I got into flipping foreclosure properties in the mid-90s, I was actually buying some of the properties from the RTC, the Resolution Trust Corporation, that was part of that bus cycle from 87 through the, you know, the SNL crisis that, that happened. And I profited very well from that. He says, I'm now in sales and hate the job, but I'm a top performer. I bartend on the side and I go to school. I'm also flirting with joining the National Guard. I live on my own with no roommates, and I know that I'm not a bum, but I can't help feel like an imposter sometimes, and I don't deserve the things that I've earned. The shame of having a DUI in my record also makes me feel that it defines me and that I'm forever a horrible person for that. I didn't hurt or kill anyone during my arrest. Hey, dude, it ha what happened happened, and it couldn't happen any other way. You learned from it. You made some changes because... What would have happened if you didn't get the DUI? Would you have changed your behavior? You probably would have kept doing what you're doing. And maybe the next time you drank way more, then something bad would have happened. So I looked at it as that DUI probably saved your life and somebody else's life. And so it was supposed to happen that way. It couldn't have happened any other way. So you should look at it and be grateful that you got past it. I assume you're, you know, like you said, you don't do that shit anymore. But I can understand the imposter syndrome because I went from doing really well in real estate, making half a million a year, to just a few short years later, at the height of things, like when I got out of it, 2005, 2006, to where in 2010, 2000, you know, late 2009, 20, you know, through summer of 2010, for about 10 months. I was waiting tables at a sports bar and in the middle of summer when it was really slow in Delray Beach and like 75% of the people are gone back up north. I remember working a closing shift. And I keep in mind, I'm like 39, 40 years old. I hadn't waited tables in almost, you know, 20 years my early since my early 20s. And this was a busy sports bar. And so you're just moving and shaking constantly compared to the high-end restaurant that I used to work. 
and I would work an eight-hour shift, and and you know my shins are bothering me, my calves are bothering, my feet hurt. It's just a lot of walking around, running around. It's just I was exhausted when I went home, and then you go home like eighty bucks in a closing shift in the middle of the summer when there's like hardly anybody coming in the restaurant. It's that's very humbling. I didn't feel like a super successful guy like I had once been where I could just, you know, walk into a, a Rolex shop and go, oh, yeah, I'll take the Submariner. I think I got a Submariner. It was like 7500 or eight grand, whatever it was, 20-something years ago, 25 years ago, whenever it was, I, I got that. We were in Hawaii. But I could do those things like that and had the cash in the bank because I was making money hand over fist. And then to work my ass off and make, 80 bucks for a closing shift because things were so slow and then the very next day get up and go to my little office that i had and do a google pay-per-click campaign to send traffic to my website as i continue to to test and refine my business and figure out the right way to market my business like i mean i could blow that 80 bucks in a matter of minutes you know on a pay-per-click campaign and so it's very humbling i didn't feel very successful i didn't feel like the shit anymore and all the success that I'd had in my life to go from making half a million a year, having an exotic car and nice boats and jet skis and living in a big ass house and a multi-million dollar office building to basically sleeping on my dad's couch and you know coming home with 80 bucks in, in my pocket and my legs and my feet hurting. It's like you know I can totally get the imposter syndrome and I remember when I got you know, when things started going really well and then when I, I moved down to South Beach, I lived in this really luxurious building down and, you know, south of Fifth. And, um, you know, I kind of felt like an imposter. It was, it was weird. I remember walking around there those first few months and I felt like I didn't deserve to be there. I, you know, because my confidence wasn't the same because I had this experience of this really difficult time that I had financially, emotionally, mentally, spiritually, where I questioned everything. It's like, Everything that I thought I knew about the world and business, it's like I had to unlearn all of it because all that success that I had really got in the way of me being successful at what I'm doing now. That's why it took so long to figure out my business model. And so that was very humbling. I didn't feel too good about myself. And even though I'm driving a nice, luxurious car, I'm walking around and I'm seeing all these famous people. And if I mention the names of who they were, either celebrities, sports stars, business moguls, billionaires. And, you know, here I am just four or five years beyond waiting tables and, you know, coming home with 80 bucks a night. And I'm able to afford living in this really super expensive, luxurious community of, you know, with a bunch of other uber, way uber wealthy people. I mean, I was, I was a pauper compared to most of my neighbors. But it's like over time and I got to know everybody and be there and got to experience it and get used to my new reality that, hey, I'm, I'm kind of back. You know, It took a long time. And what's different the second time around is that, you know, as Jocko Willing says, be humble or you will be humbled. And, and I got humbled big time. And I just I, I've learned, to, you know, especially being older now, it's just like I let my success speak for myself. I don't go around pounding my chest and talking about how great I am or successful I am. Or, you know, you, you look at somebody like an Andrew Tate and I could see I was never like that. But, you know, that's a guy who's totally in his ego and all of his success has gone to his head, even though that dude's got a lot of trouble facing him. And, you know, life will 
always give you some humble pie, and it looks like he's going to get a huge dose of it. But, you know, so I can relate to that. And the only thing that really keeps you going in all of this really is your mindset. What's my outcome? What do I want to create? And then secondly, why? Why do you want it? What are your compelling reasons why you want what you want? Because it's the emotional energy, the the emotional passion that you have for whatever it is that you're trying to create that will cause you to, to take a bullshit sales job or consider going into the National Guard or bartending on the side and going to school. You'll be willing to do those things because down the road – you know, you've already had a taste of success, and if you were a manager in a lender business, I'm sure you're making really damn good money, and you're in the same boat that I was, and it's like it doesn't feel good, and it's not fun, and you got a girlfriend, and the other thing that's important to understand is when a guy is doing really well and he's very stable, that's when you want to be in a, a, a long-term relationship with a girl. But, you know, when you're like I was, sleeping on your, you know, your dad's couch and coming home with 80 bucks after seven or eight hours in the middle of the summer when it's just slow as hell and nothing's going on it's you know that's that's not a pleasant feeling and it's hard to feel confident so when you're in that kind of a phase where you're not stable you're gonna feel more comfortable with shorter type relationships not getting attached not really you know getting serious with anyone and so it's also the thing that you know you have to be you pay attention to is that you got to do the fundamentals that are in your book, in the book. It's like you've got to continually apply those things, even though on the inside you might feel like an imposter. Just like when I, you know, those first few months when I moved down to South Beach, it was like, you know, I'd had a place for, you know, a couple years in Orlando and, you know, I kept that home and then I had this new place down in South Beach. And like I said, those first couple of months walking around there, it's like, man, if you, you guys should, should have seen the parking garages, like, the parking garage in, in this building, were, there literally were hundreds of millions of dollars in just cars. And most of the people that had places in, in this complex were, that was just like one of their summer homes. And you've got hundreds of millions of dollars in any and every kind of exotic car and custom-made car that you can think of is in there. It's like, it was unbelievable. It was an amazing experience, but... Like I said, first few months, I didn't feel like I deserved to be there. And so the only thing that keeps you going is your mindset. It's like you got to get up every day. What do I have to get done today before I go to bed? And the thing that will keep your girl attracted to you is that it's okay that she knows you're struggling, but at the end of the day, you're handling it. You, I got this. Babe. I'll figure it out. Something will come along eventually. Eventually, I'll figure it out. Like one of my buddies that was in real estate when, you know, they – they had lost both their houses and short sales, and they still had some capital. And he said, you know, he had multiple kids he's got to take care of. And he, they, were, they, had, they had a nice yacht. They were going to the yacht club. They had multiple houses. They were living large, having big parties. And now all of a sudden, they're short selling both their houses. They're downsizing. They ended up moving to a different part of the state where it was cheaper. And the school system was really good so they could send their kids to, to public schools. And they completely changed their lifestyle and I remember he was just saying yeah if I if I can't do what I'm doing in real estate and where he's like I'll, I'll wash windows I'll paint houses I'll do whatever I got I got I got to do in order to survive and provide for my family and that's what a woman wants from you is that she wants the attitude it's like whatever I got to do to get to a happy place or get to where I want to be in life it's 
you know, the mortgage in the real estate business before, if you're going to go back into the lending side thing, it's going to be two, three years before, you know, the other thing I've noticed is that in the last year, 60,000 people, 60,000 realtors have gotten out of the business. And that's, you know, those are your weekend warriors tapping out going, I can't make any money. And, you know, they're getting out of the business. So this is just part of the cycle. And, you know, a good time to get back into it if you're going to be in real estate and you're going to sell properties, like I said, it's going to probably be about two, three years, probably closer to three years down the road. And, you know, the only people that really be buying that are going to be the investors. And, you know, when does the regular residential stuff come back? You're probably at least six to eight years from now before the rates are low and the economy kind of returns to a, a normal level where you have normal buyers and normal sellers. And because the government's borrowed so much money and the federal government has so much debt, is like they're going to have to lower the interest rate. But again, it takes years to recover from that. It takes years to blow things up with the interest rate increases. And it takes years for it to recover once you start lowering it because it's not like flipping a light switch. It takes time for that money to go into the economy because what's going to happen is you're going to have a lot of borrowers are going to have their credit ruin and their ability to borrow money is going to go to zero. And so it takes time to recover. It takes time to go through bankruptcy. It takes time to get a new job. It takes time to save up some money. It takes time to grow a business from scratch until you know, you're able to once again be able to afford to get a really nice house and do those things. And so, you know, your girlfriend just needs to see that you're handling things. It's where guys get themselves into trouble in situations like what you're in right now is when they flounder around and they don't do anything to help themselves. Like, you know, if you just start coming home every night and bitching and complaining about your job, but you never do anything about it and you keep working there and you keep bitching to your girl, what that looks like is that you're not doing anything to help yourself. What she needs to see is that you're just taking action and you're doing it and you're making some progress and you're not... You may feel fearful inside, but at the end of the day, it's you just got to take action. You just always have to keep moving forward because this boom-bust cycle is just, that's how the banking system works. That's how the money supply works. And every 12 to 15 years, you know, you're going to have a boom and you're going to have a bust. And if you understand that and you understand what causes it, like watching the documentary we did, Economic Prosperity for All, you can profit significantly, whereas, you know, I'm really excited about three years from now and all the deals that I'm going to be able to make in, in real estate. It's going to be a great, great buying opportunity and a great investing opportunity, even if you're just going to buy a house to live in. The same thing will happen again about, you know, say you buy a house in three years, the best time to sell it's going to probably be about 10 years from there to the point where everybody's buying the properties are going through the roof again. That's when you want to sell and dip out and get a rental and just chillax and wait for the bus to go down again. Or you keep one primary residence and you sell some of your other rentals. I had, um, you know, Andy had these guys that um, they were from Saudi Arabia and, you know, wealthy family, multi-generations. And that's the benefit of when you have a successful family is that you can teach this stuff to your kids. And so these guys had hundreds of millions of dollars to invest in real estate. And so 2009, 2010, he was selling these condos that had been, you know, like $80,000, $100,000 condos. And he was they were picking them up for $20,000, $30,000. They were brand new because the developers had gone bankrupt. Nobody was buying. And guess what they did with all those properties? And like, was it 20, 2000, like 
21, 22. They sold all of them. They had hundreds of these things. And they sold every one of these fucking things for like $250,000, $300,000. And so they bought it free and clear because they had the cash for you know $20,000, $30,000, sometimes $40,000 back in 2009, 2010. And they rented it out, were positive cash for the whole time, all through for about a decade. And then they liquidated everything. They literally 10 times their money in a decade just because they bought low and they sold high. It's, you know, as uh, I don't don't remember who said it, but they say buy when there's blood in the streets. In other words, buy when nobody wants the properties because that's when you're going to get them the cheapest. And sell when everybody's buying them and the prices are going through the roof. And, you know, you can study over the last 100 years and just see the boom bust cycle. See how that works. It just keeps going. So you can set yourself up for that in the future. So he says, my girlfriend offered to help me find a new job, but I don't want to rely on her or make her think that she's my mommy and I feel an immense amount of pressure on me to continue being the person I was during the courting process while I'm on this rough patch. She tells me she's not going anywhere and is supportive, but I have my doubts. Unfortunately, I made the mistake of telling her my worries. I know a bad move. Well, you can flounder around for about six to 12 months tops. Even if you've been with your girl 30, 40 years, doesn't matter. You get about six to 12 months to flounder around. If you don't help yourself, they're going to start looking for the exits. That's just that's just the reality. I know guys don't like to hear that, but it is what it is. So as long as you're taking care of, of what you need to do, then you know find something that's going to continue to do well over the next several years. And you know maybe you go back into real estate mortgage industry you know, four or five years from now. Three to five years from now, that's up to you. But you got to find some kind of work that you love and you enjoy. If you hate what you're doing in sales, there are other things in sales that are always going to do well. And the higher the ticket item that you're selling, the more money you can make in commissions. You want to work smarter, not harder. It's a simple thing like working at a restaurant. If you work at a high-end restaurant and your average dinner check is 200 bucks versus you know working at some place like a Denny's where your average check is maybe 15 or 20 bucks at the most, it's the same amount of work to wait on a table at Denny's versus working at a really nice steakhouse where your checks are hundreds of dollars a piece. And so just by the nature of the fact that you're selling more dollar volume of food, and if you're like most waiters, you get on average about 20% in tips from that, you're going to make a lot more money working at a high-end steakhouse than working at some place like a Denny's or some kind of a, a diner where you just you have high turnover and the dinner checks or lunch checks are, are really cheap. And so the idea is that you want to sell expensive. If you're good at sales, sell some expensive things. Find other products and services that you're really passionate about. And so if you're the top salesperson, that tells me you're great at sales. So find a product or a service to sell that you love. And that's going to do well even in an economy that's not booming like it once was. Anything real estate, mortgage related, even construction related is not something I would be spending all of my time because that industry is going to get hammered pretty badly in the coming years. So as long as you're doing well and the outward appearances that you're taking action and that you have the same attitude like my friend had, he's like, I'll wash windows. I'll paint houses. Uh, I'll do whatever it takes to make enough money to keep a roof over my heads, make sure my kids are fed, and and my wife 
has money to get the things that she needs to get for our family. And that needs to be the attitude. And even when you don't feel like on the inside, like I said, I went from having everything, having it all, to having nothing, sleeping on my dad's couch, to doing really well again. And then despite all the success I had, kind of felt like I didn't belong there those first few months. But it's it's like with anything. It's like becoming good at women or good with, with women and going from not being good with them. It's you have to have enough time and repetition of the new way of being. In other words, you have to have enough time and repetition of being successful. And then those feelings of unworthiness will slowly fade away. Just like when you have no girl in your life, it's hard to find somebody. But when you have a girlfriend, you notice that women notice you all the time and are flirting with you and hitting on you. So it's just it's time and repetition. What must I get done today before I go to bed tonight? And if you do that and you focus on taking action, remember, inaction breeds fear and doubt. And taking action breeds confidence and courage. So if you've got a question or challenge and you'd like to get my help, go to understandingrelationships.com, click the products tab at the top of your screen, and book a coaching session with yours truly. Until next time, I will talk to you soon. 